As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Hello, welcome along to the show and a very happy Christmas to you. It's Justin Briley bringing you the regular sit down with N.T. Wright. And today we're going to be, well, having a bit of fun uh, looking at questions around Mary and Joseph and those gifts they received. Plus, asking Tom questions about himself. You often write in with your questions for Tom, such as, what does a senior research fellow at Wycliffe Hall do exactly? Uh, How does he manage to produce all of that stuff he produces? And what about his love of classical music and more besides? So, looking forward to asking Tom all of those questions today. The show brought to you in partnership, as usual, with N.T. Wright Online and SBCK and Premier. I'm the Theology and Apologetics Editor for Premier. Um, I'm so glad when people get in touch with uh, telling us, you know, how the show has helped them in some way or another. Um, one person wrote in with this review saying, I was very much struggling with my faith last year and this podcast, as well as N.T. Wright's other material, has really helped me. They're eager to tackle difficult questions in an intelligent, authentic and caring way and have helped me have a much more thorough understanding of Scripture, God and Jesus. You're not the only one. I personally benefit hugely from having these conversations with Tom there's so much that falls into place um, when I have these conversations Um, so yeah we're we're all on a learning journey together and and we're lucky to have a wise mentor like Tom on so many of these issues Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast in the past year uh, do rate and review us helps others to discover the show and if you'd like to support us with an end of year gift and help us to keep uh, keep the, the podcast strong into 2022 and help others discover more of this material uh, you can do that with the links from today's show uh, and if you want more from the show make sure to sign up as well at askntright.com let's get into your questions Well, welcome along and a very happy Christmas to you. Uh, this is our Christmas episode in which we, we'll have at least one Christmas question, but actually it's, it's a bit of a chance to bring together a few questions for this episode, Tom, about you and your habits and uh, your pleasures and, and enjoyments and that sort of thing. So we'll start with our Christmas question. Um, uh, this is a great one. Um, a trivial one, maybe, says Sheila in Bury, New South Wales. Uh, but I always wonder what Mary and Joseph did with the gold, frankincense and myrrh. Any thoughts? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, pause for all kinds of silly children's <laughs> books and cartoons and goodness knows what. Um, and, and, and pictures of, of Mary having just had a child saying, you know, that's the last thing I need. Gold, frankincense. <laughs> Couldn't I you have some bought some nappies, nappies as well? Yeah, exactly. Want some clean nappies, yeah, please. Yeah. And, and, and this and that and the other. Yeah, I mean... 
who knows who knows who knows and did they take it with them in the flight to egypt or had they safely deposited it with um, either joseph's relatives or mary's relatives i have absolutely no idea um of course some people would say it was all symbolic anyway that the whole thing but um it's it's such a strange story and and as an ancient historian i'm rather inclined to say when when you get strange stories like this which nevertheless have quite a sharp focus you know these guys went to the wrong king they went to Herod and had to be redirected and all that stuff going on. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm happy to say let's stay with the story, but I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. It may only have been a small piece of gold, a small um, thing of frankincense and, and a small vial or whatever of myrrh, um, symbolic and strangely dark in their meaning. Um, so thanks for the question. I, I, do you know, I think over Christmas I shall ask my friends and family that question and see if I get any good answers. <laughs> so, so you can go up with the best uh, scenario of yep. what, what happened. Yep. Well, turning from Christmas questions uh, to questions about you, uh, people people often like to ask sort of about your own personal <laughs> study habits and uh, enjoyments and things like that, Tom. Uh, Toby in London wants to know, Tom, you've written hundreds of books and articles and probably delivered thousands of lectures. I'd like to know how you research, how you keep track of all you read and draw on, all that information for everything that you're producing. What methods do you use to collate information as you work on your various projects? I, I wish I had a better answer for this. Um, you can probably see in the background of this picture, there are piles of papers and books, and I, I live with imminent chaos with <laughs> stuff which I vaguely know where it is, and I vaguely know that one of those notebooks over there has the scribbled notes that I'm making for a book or article or whatever that I may be writing or a course of lectures that I have to do. I try to stay on top of them, but uh, for me, the next project is always more fun than the one I was working on six weeks ago. So th this is just a personality problem which I have. So I do try to keep track. If I have notebooks, I've got one here. I can happily show you. Um, <laughs> this this is the uh, those are the notes for the talk I gave at a, at a student meeting last night. Mm. And uh, uh, this goes back. I try to keep dates. Um, yes. So I, I, I like these this size notebook, which will it's not too bulky to carry around. And I can actually read what I scribble in it just about. Um, but th this goes back. Here's some notes for a webinar I was doing a month or two ago. Um, here's some notes from a lecture that I attended. And from time to time, I go back through these notebooks and I've got lots of them scattered mm. around um, and try to say, ah, oh, yes, now I need to follow that up. And I need to email somebody about that or that will contribute to this project that I'm doing. When I'm working on a, com a biblical commentary, then that's comparatively easy because you can see, um, here's the text, here are my notes on these bits of text. I probably have a loose leaf file or whatever for that. I'm not very good at keeping those sorts of notes online. There are lots of software programs mm -hmm. now, I know people tell me about them, where people can drop in notes into a piece of software and then easily retrieve them. I, I'm too old for that. I came into word processing and I'm sticking with that and I'm not trying to use electronic means for other things. Apart from anything else, I like to do kind of mind mapping and, and I write a, a word in the middle of a sheet of paper and then have lines mm. going out from it and then other things connecting. I know, again, you can do that on a computer. I find it much easier on a notebook or maybe a large A3 size of paper, which I can then look at and think, ah, oh, wait a minute, that goes with that and I'm repeating myself here, so let's put those together and so on. 
When I was writing my biggest ever book, which was Paul and the Faithfulness of God, I had a room in Princeton where I was on sabbatical where the bookshelves went up to about chest high and then it was blank wall above that. And I basically wallpapered the whole room with large uh, post-its, sort of mega-sized post-its. And each chapter in the book had its own one, which started off with just a few scribbles. And after a month or two, they were all covered because as I was reading and reading articles and books and and studying the texts themselves of Paul's letters, I was thinking, ah, now that belongs in chapter four. So we need to have something on there. And and so I could actually see Mm. the book developing. And that that enabled me to keep tabs on what was going on, which otherwise would have been very difficult with a, yeah. a large and complex project. Um, and that was really quite fun. Yes. Um, I've never had a room like that since, because as you can see in this room, the bookshelves go up to the walls uh, everywhere where there isn't a window. <laughs> and, um, so so that isn't an option. But but that that's how I do it. And it's a bit scatty, and I no doubt miss tricks, and I forget things and have to come back to them. Um, but that's just how it's been, yeah. and I kind of keep running to stay ahead of myself and occasionally go back and pick up things right. from behind me well well it works obviously uh it's uh, not perfect but it, <laughs> it does the job uh I'm, I'm always yeah bowled over by the amount you managed to produce tom um but um look um it's sticking with the sort of the area of, of work and research and so on um john in um uh, gloucestershire says um what exactly does a senior research fellow at Wycliffe <laughs> hall at the university of oxford do uh, and he also adds here, I've recently watched Dr. Becky Smethurst's A Day in the Life of an Oxford University Astrophysicist. Um, could you give a description something on along those lines, please? Well, I, I'm afraid we don't I don't think either of us have watched that. So um, but, but or, or uh, so I don't yeah. know whether you can, Tom. But, yeah. I mean, Wycliffe Hall has had a track record over many years now of having somebody who is basically retired coming and being a part-time associate. I mean, the most recent one before me was Michael Green. And in fact, one of the things I had to do when I arrived was to do a Michael Green lecture in his memory because he had died not long before. And it wasn't that he died so they got me. He was actually stepping down anyway. And the principal said, look, Tom, if you're coming up to retirement, why don't you and Maggie come and live in Oxford and we'll give you a house where they they basically pay the rent they don't pay me a salary so that that's quite a good arrangement i'm on a pension and so on um but that enables us to be here in oxford near family which is very nice but my duties are that once a year i do a course of lectures of bible expositions at the moment i'm in the middle of uh, a series of of nine or ten expositions on romans 8 which has been very exciting and then the rest of the year I will do individual sermons, individual lectures. Um, They'll have a course on such and such, and they'll say, Tom, will you do the one on whatever it is? So that they had a course on Genesis, and would I do the one on, I forget which bit of Genesis it was I did. and likewise, if there are special occasions where they want something a little different, they'll say, could you preach for this particular occasion? But then the other thing, which because of the pandemic hasn't really been happening, frustratingly, is I'm supposed to be meeting with students mm. individually or in small groups so that students will often have questions about their academic work, questions about putting together academic and pastoral life, which is, of course, what I've tried to do all my life. And so I'm always delighted to sit down and maybe have a cup of coffee with one or two or three students and say, okay, let's chew this over. Where are you in your course and what's going on and how can we help and what 
books might it be good to recommend that you read? So that, for, for instance, this afternoon, I'm meeting one such who's halfway through a course and wanting to know about future directions and so on. And we'll maybe spend an hour together and just think about that and pray about it. And so uh, I am not anyone's tutor. I'm not anyone's official pastor. I'm merely an old lag around the place who has seen a bit of church life and academic life and may sometimes be able to say, you know, it might help if you did such and such or, or whatever. And if that's useful, then that suits me. The main thing that I do actually is day by day, Monday through Friday, Wycliffe students meet together for worship. On Monday, that includes a Bible exposition. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's morning prayer. Tuesday afternoon, l l early evening, there's uh, a college Eucharist. And I try to be there for those services because for me, being part of that prayerful, studying, pastoral community is where it's at. Mm. And the prayer and mm. the study and the pastoral stuff is, is the combination yeah. that I've tried to live with all my life. So I was delighted. I'm very happy to be there. They actually invented the title Senior Research Fellow um, as a way of sort of as, as a gesture towards <laughs> doing some stuff around the place, yeah. but we know that you're actually retired. Yeah, um, sure. So I, at the moment, I'm thoroughly enjoying Yes, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, as, as I'm sure it has in your other academic positions, being around young people who are coming through and going through those early stages of theological, you know, it's getting wonderful. together to things. Wonderful. I'm sure it's very invigorating as well yeah yeah it is, it is. okay let's let's switch to classical music another of your <laughs> great passions tom uh, melissa in portland oregon asks i know you're a classical music fan tom i'm a classical pianist and piano teacher <laughs> pursuing a master's in piano performance i often right. consider how my christian faith intersects with my profession and how my music career contributes to god's beautiful world do you have any thoughts regarding how classical music is meaningful in the christian worldview and in god's kingdom wow uh, all, all sorts of thoughts yeah <laughs> and she also asks. also on a non-theological note i'd love to know what some of tom's favorite classical composers or pieces are though maybe it is a theological note as well um so do you want to do you want to start with your favorites and then we'll we'll get into the sort of the theology um, yeah, I once had to do, um, I once was the guest on the Radio 3 program called Private Passions, which is like a slightly upmarket version of <laughs> Desert Island Discs. And I think I had some Bach, I think I had some Sibelius, I had some jazz actually as well. Um, I can't just remember what else I had, but um, I, I'm fairly eclectic in my tastes. I love early choral music and the fact that Maggie and I now live right opposite the gate of New College in Oxford and two of our sons, our, our two sons both sang in the choir there at various stages and we love that choral music so if you take me back to Purcell in the 17th century or then particularly to Tallis and Bird and Tompkins in the 16th century and um, to think of choral evensong with that sort of music that is just wonderful um, and, and that music was written in order to talk about heaven on earth and it really does um, but coming forward uh, I you know I've always loved um, the Bach passions I think the Bach Matthew passion was the first thing I sang in as a seven seven year old chorister um, and actually being in a church choir really nurtured that love of classical music for me um, 
And, of course, Handel's Messiah was a staple, and I then broadened out into other bits of Handel as well. But the Messiah remains uh, as a sort of back marker for so much else. And then Bach and Handel, but then you come forward into uh, Haydn, Mozart, and Beethoven. I actually love Haydn. My wife finds him rather boring. I, I think there's a lot going on there. Um, Mozart, we were in the Sheldonian Theatre the other night listening to a, a performance of Mozart's Requiem, which was just stunning and and held on to us and we both the next morning still had some of that music in our heads and so on and um, Beethoven of course we went to a performance of the Emperor Concerto again a few weeks it's one of the glories of being in mm. Oxford we can actually walk to mm. these things and again that music is so rich and so strong and so solid um, and, but for me as well Schubert Schumann you come forward into the 19th century I, I had my Wagner moment a few years ago my son my oldest son and I went to a complete performance mm. of the ring took a week out and simply did it and my goodness i want to do it again someday but it's like having a 25 course meal and you yes. know, oh my goodness i, I remember you talking about this because i remember it was at the, the 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 when we first started recording this podcast oh, right. that you had just been to see okay. the, the wagner ring okay. cycle okay. and were waxing but, eloquent but about then, it when i was an undergraduate i became very good friends and still good friends with a man who's who introduced me to sibelius i'd known some sibelius before but he actually eased me into some of the darker bits like the fourth symphony and so on and and i still think that sibelius 7 mm. is is the symphony to end all symphonies as it were it certainly ended it for sibelius sadly we wish he'd written more but it is the, just the most amazing masterpiece um i'm not so good on the on the later 20th century stuff though i do love vaughan williams vaughan williams is fifth i think is just magnificent and and some of the modern choral music is is extraordinary as well there have been all sorts of things but that tells you basically where i am i wish i could still play the piano when i was young i played it a great deal when i was studying for my degree um I would award myself quarter of an hour's piano playing if I'd done two hours of, at the desk and so on. And I learnt, oh, I don't know, Schubert sonatas and that sort of thing, which I couldn't really play well. I would never be a concert level at all, but I had fun stumbling through them and figuring them out and so on. So so that that's where I came in. Um, and it's been a delight to me that um, my, my family have carried that on. And again, both my sons have been quite serious mm -hmm. musicians. Mm -hmm. um, my older son has conducted the Durham Singers in, latterly for the last 10 years, which is one of the leading amateur choirs in the Northeast. Um, and that's been just a great delight to see that being carried on through the next generation. Oh, and one of the last things I mm. saw them perform was the Christmas Oratorio, which has wonderful memories for yes. me, celebrations with that wonderful opening, the celebration which Bach just gets. This is what Christmas is all about. And you can march around to it and feel the joy of Christmas welling up in a way which, frankly dare I say, a lot of the modern worship songs don't right. quite do. Yes, yes. Well, no, I think that would be fair. Well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll stitch onto the end of this week's podcast, just a little phrase or two, at least, from the Christmas Ooh, Oratorio. Yes, Wonderful. Um, so, so that'll be the way we end it. But before we get there, um, Melissa yeah. did want to know, any thoughts then on how classical music is meaningful? in the Christian um, worldview and in God's kingdom? The answer is, the answer is read Jeremy Begbie, B-E-G-B-I-E. -E. If you don't know Jeremy Begbie's work, please do. Jeremy has written 
at several levels, some quite academic treatments about the nature of music, some uh, collected uh, essay collections on music and faith and so on, to one of which I contributed after I'd collaborated with a, with a composer on one particular project, and Jeremy was involved in that as well. Jeremy is the person at the moment who is really carrying the torch for this whole thing of where music and faith meet, and it's been really exciting to see his work energising a new generation of musicians to realise that this isn't just light entertainment around the side of the faith, but actually leads you right into the very heart of it in a way that nothing else can. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and as we all frequently experience, whether we call ourselves Christian or not, music does have this transcendent quality, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. it, it speaks Absolutely. to a part of us that other things don't uh, music is its own language and like the sacraments in church it doesn't translate into words you can set words to music of course that's a different art but music itself is its own language and we should learn to hear what mm. that language is saying mm. so yes we we bless you melissa uh, we we, we uh, <laughs> all the best to you as you can you know pursue your masters in piano performance and, and know that god can speak through through what you're doing absolutely. yeah absolutely um so good to to spend the time with you today tom uh, very happy christmas to you and all the family um <laughs> thank you and, and and to you and yours as well thank you very much and and indeed to everyone listening to this podcast as well it's been great to have you with us in this past year and we look forward to bringing you more in the year to come but for now thank you very much and see you in the new year tom Well, thank you for being with us for this Christmas edition of the show. And I hope that however you're celebrating Christmas, you have a very happy one. Uh, next time on the show, we're going to be looking at your questions on responsibility as we get towards the new year. How should we honour God through wealth and poverty? Uh, is it OK to have time for ourselves? And should we feel guilty about spending money on things like nice holidays? ourselves those are some of our questions coming in the final show of the year uh, if you are able to support us with a year-end giving gift uh, that helps us to make sure that this show reaches many more people all over the world uh, you can do that from the links both from the usa or from the uk and rest of the world easy ways to give and support the show as we get towards the end of the year and to caper strong into 2022 as well thanks for being with us uh this year on the ask nt write anything podcast if you want more from the show you can go to askntwrite.com and why don't we finish with some of the music we mentioned this is bark's christmas oratorio just a snatch of it performed by the choir of trinity college cambridge <laughs> <laughs>